الحمد لله الحمد لله الذي هدى والصلاة والسلام على عباده الذين اصطفى خصوصا على سيد الرسل وخاتم الأنبياء وعلى آله وأصحابه الذين اشتبى أما بعد فأعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم ألف لام أحسب الناس أن يتركوا أن يقولوا آمن وهم لا يفتنون ولقد فتن الذين من قبلهم فليعلمن الله الذين صدقوا وليعلمن الكاذبين أم حسب الذين يعملون السيئات أن يسبقونا ساء ما يحكمون صدق الله العظيم الله سبحانه وتعالى is explaining the value of our Iman and our faith to us. That this Iman that we have, the faith that we have, which is our connection with Rabbul Alameen subhanahu wa ta'ala, our connection with all the Anbiya alayhimu salatu wasalam, and then especially the master and leader of all mankind, Muhammadur Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is not something that would just come without any effort or we will just get it, take it for granted. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says this is something very, very valuable and He would like each and every person to, who has it to understand the value and appreciate the value of this iman and this faith. Do people think that they will say Amanna and we will not test them? And the word Fatana in Arabic language, many times we take it as Fitna. Fitna means evil and hardships and problems is not necessary problems. Fitna is not necessary evils. When you take a gold and you place it in the fire, to clean the gold from all the dust that's in it. You know, originally the gold is mixed with a lot of dust. You can take a big stone and you can take a small, um, from a big piece of rock, you'll take, take, just get out a, an ounce of gold. So when you take that piece of rock and you place it in the fire and all the gold is separating, is melting away and coming down and the dust is separating from it, it's called fatana. This is fatana. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying, when you claim your iman, I will have to make sure that we separate the gold from the dust. This gold has to be separated from the dust. In Surah Al-Imran, 
Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that do people think that we will not be distinguishing between the haq and batil, between the false and uh, between the truth and falsehood, between the right and wrong, no one will make sure that these things are clearly distinguished. And there is clear distinction between the right and wrong. And those who are holding to the haq and those who are holding and who are getting into the batil. We will make a clear distinction between these two groups. And how does that distinction come? It's just like when we, you are buying a gold. You are buying, someone comes and presents some piece of pearl to you. And he says, you know, it's worth million. I'll give it to you for $100,000. But for me to spend the $100,000, although I can afford it easily, but to spend the $100,000 on buying this, I'll make sure that this is pure. Why? It's the value. It's the value that makes the difference. I'm not just buying, buying anything from the store now. Now this is not from a garage sale. This is something very valuable to me. And I want to make sure that I get the value of my, pay, of my price. Whatever I'm paying for, I get what I'm paying for. In fact, I would like to get better than what I'm paying for. Have we ever realized what we are getting through our Iman? We are always getting better than what we are paying for. Little sacrifice gives us so much in return. Little sacrifice, little effort gets us so much in the rahmah of Allah, in the barakah from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, in our connection with Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Something, there is no value, it's a priceless thing. I mean, how much would a person pay to be connected to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam? If there was something that we have to pay to get there, what is it that we will say, no, this is too much now for me and I won't be willing to pay this much. Anything we will be willing to pay for it. And this is exactly what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying. وَلَقَدْ فَتَنَّ الَّذِينَ مِنْ قَبْلِهِمْ We went, we made people before you go through the tests. Same test, people before you went through it. Why? فَلَيَعْلَمَنَّ اللَّهُ الَّذِينَ صَدَقُوا وَلَيَعْلَمَنَّ الْكَاذِبِينَ Surely Allah will make sure that He will distinguish between صَدَقُوا and كَاذِبِينَ Those who are truthful in making this claim and the statement of Iman and those who are not truthful in their statement. And to set that example, Rasulullah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made Anbiya alayhimu salatu wa salam go through those situations. Abdullah ibn Amr ibn al-As radiyallahu anhu says that one day I was by the Kaaba. And he says, I'm a young boy. I was by the Kaaba. And I saw the leaders of Quraysh were sitting there. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was performing salah. And he said, that was the only day where I thought that today there is no way that Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is going to be walking away alive from the scene. He said, Uqba bin Abi Mu'id, one of the leaders of Quraysh, he went and he put a sheet in the neck of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and he choked Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam with it so hard that Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam fell down. And then people started shouting and they thought Annahu Qadmat he says everyone looking at Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam thought that he's dead and someone rushed to Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu to inform him that come carry your friend he's done Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu came to the scene and 
he provided the first aid to Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam in that situation as being chalked, and he carried Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam until gradually Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam regained his consciousness. But the amazing part of the hadith is the last part that Abdullah bin Amr, who wasn't Muslim at that time yet, he says, "Hatta qam faamsakahu Abu Bakr bi'adudai." Abu Bakr radiallahu supported him from his back and he carried Prophet ﷺ. When he regained his consciousness, he didn't even look at those who did it. He didn't go to talk to them. He didn't show any anger, any reaction. فَقَامَ فَصَلَّى He got up and he continued his salah. Subhanallah. After all of this, you're praying in the same place? No wonder. If we go to the mall and time of Asr is running out and you know no one will laugh at you. No one will mock at you. People will not give you any bad look. They will just be looking at you. Interesting. What is happening here? But they won't curse. They won't do nothing to you. How many of us will be willing to pray right at that place in the mall where people are just watching us? They're not hurting us. They are not kicking us. How many of us will have the guts to pray there? If in the aeroplane, you're allowed to pray, they tell you, okay, come and play in the aisle. Pray in the aisle over there. How many of us would be willing to perform our salah there while people are watching us? You know, sometimes it gets so shocking that our own people, they are not even willing to say salam, let alone saying salam. To respond to your salam when others are watching. Because people will know that I'm a Muslim. How much are we going to hide it? And where are we going to keep it after hiding it? Do we want our children to keep on hiding it? Sometime we even see people giving their children a name where they think it will fit in both places. Give him a name that for Muslims you will say it's a Muslim name. For others you will say it's a name from your culture. As long as the intention is good of course we don't mean that we can't use those names. For example Adam. We'll say, oh, it's on the name of Adam alayhi salatu wasalam. And over there, Adam. It's both places. If that is the intention, to make them be able to hide their faith, their iman, their deen, their identity, no value for deen, and all the Islamic values to be hidden, to be taken away, to be just left in the four walls of the home, or inside the masjid, but outside of this, there is no Islam, there is no deen, then we have no right to complain about whatever happens to the Muslim Ummah because we ourselves chose to hide it and keep it within these four walls. Then of course, people understand that you are not, you are not proud of your faith, you are not proud of your deen, you are not proud of these values of deen. In another situation, Imam Tabrani rahimahullah narrates a sahabi whose name was Mambit al-Azdi radiyallahu anhu from Yemen. 
He says, I arrived in Mecca Mukarramah. And I was right there in the early morning. I just sat right there waiting to see what happens in this town and meet the other people, the important people of the town. And he said, I saw a man came and he said, Ya ayyuhan nas. These are the exact wordings that Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa uttered. Ya ayyuhan nas, qulu la ilaha illallah tuflihu. That's it. This is how much he said. Oh people, say la ilaha illallah. That's the only way to success. Manbit radiyallahu anhu says, فَمِنْهُمْ مَنْ تَفَّلَ عَلَى وَجْهِهِ وَمِنْهُمْ مَنْ حَثَ عَلَى وَجْهِهِ التُّرَابِ وَمِنْهُمْ مَنْ سَبَّ People started cursing him, bringing dust and putting it on his head. And some people started spitting on his face. And he said, after that, I saw them hitting him, punching him, kicking him, doing everything they could do to him until midday. And because of the heat of the sun, not because of rahmah on this man, because of the heat of the sun, they left him alone. And at that time I saw a young girl came. She had a container of water and she had a small towel. She passed it on to this man. I asked people, who is this? They said, this is his daughter Zainab radiallahu anha. She was cleaning, washing the face of her father from everything that they threw on his face. And she was crying. And he's telling her, my dear, don't cry. Allah will protect us. And a day will come when Allah will put this word out to everyone's heart. It's not just about a story that we read from the seerah. The question is, if we were with Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam that day, in our present situation, if I was with Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam that day, how much I would be able to take on myself? How much would I be able to stand with Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam? What would I tell Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam? Now we need to stop. Now we need to just keep it to ourselves. Don't come over here and talk to them. Don't spread this message. This is not the time yet for us. What is it that I would advise him in that situation? But at the same time, we need to take our lesson from this hadith and see what is it that Rasulullah is telling me and you to do. How many people have we talked to about our deen? How many people have we informed them of this fact? Qulu la ilaha illallah tuflihu. People even talk to us and we try to just ignore the topic. What is it that Rasulullah we see him doing here? And as people started coming to this deen of Allah, Mus'ab ibn Umayr radiallahu anhu, a beautiful example of the early comers to Islam, a very young man. And who is Mus'ab ibn Umayr? In reality, when you read the books of a hadith, you see he was the celebrity for the people of Makkah, for the youth of Makkah. His hairstyle was known in Makkah Mukarramah. He wouldn't wear any dress, a special type of dress that Mus'ab ibn Umayr would wear. His, his dress used to be the most expensive dress that is imported from out of Arabia. And they used to they say that after, once he would pass by a street in, through, uh, from any, uh, a place, 
Hours after that, you would smell the fragrance from the perfume of Mus'ab ibn Umayr. Every morning he would wake up, his mother will make a special breakfast for him. He would not eat anything that other people would be eating in their homes. It's not just get and water and walk out of the house. No, mother has to prepare a special breakfast for him. Very well known. After he accepted Islam. Initially, he didn't inform anyone. One day, Uthman ibn Talha, who wasn't Muslim yet, he saw him praying by one of the mountains out in the outskirts of Makkah Mukarramah. He went and informed his family. The first thing the family did was they deprived him of all of his privileges. They took everything away from him. His mother said, I won't even talk to you. Now this is a spoiled boy. And this is the person that he is not working. All of what he had is not based on what his performance or his business. His mother was extremely rich who was giving him all of that. She said, nothing you are getting from me after this deed. Until you leave this deed. And he made it clear to her, Ma'am, I have not accepted this deen for my dunya, I accepted it for akhirah. Therefore, take whatever you want, give me anything you like, but this deen is not going to change and I'm not willing to give up this deen anymore. anymore. I got it after a long time realizing that what I was doing was totally wrong. Ali radiallahu anhu says, one day, when I saw Mus'ab, I really cried. And he said, that day, Ali radiallahu anhu, this strong man, he says, that day, I just got into the corner, I couldn't hold myself, and I just cried and cried. So someone asked him, what made you cry so much, Amir al-Mu'mineen? He said, because I had seen Mus'ab in Makkah Mukarramah, his dress, his lifestyle, and the way he was living there. And he said, that day, you know where I saw him? I saw him sitting amongst the people of the Sufa, which means the poorest people in Medina. He's sitting, that person who was the celebrity in Makkah, and he's considered to be one of the richest boy in, of Makkah. People are following the style of this boy, or oh, this is the hairstyle of Mus'ab. It, he was a trademark over there. And I see him sitting amongst the people of the Sufa in a way that he didn't have his sheet wasn't long enough to cover his body properly, so he was hiding between, behind the people. He was hiding himself behind people. He said, I remembered that Mus'ab and this Mus'ab, and I was saying to myself, what is it that Mus'ab have tasted in this deen, because of which he is ready to give up all of what he had, and he still is having a better taste over here. It is truly a better taste over here. It is truly once we get the taste of Subhana Rabbi Al-A'la in our sujood. When we get the taste of Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen, Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim, Maliki Yawm Al-Deen, there is no taste better than this taste. There is no sweetness in the world. There is no entertainment in the world that will be better than this. Really, it's this deen is not boring. As many times people would think, oh, you know, okay, then what I'm going to do? It's not a boring deen. It's a beautiful, it's full of taste. It's just developing the taste of the Qur'an, of the dhikr of Allah, of the ibadah of Allah. 
having the true taste of it. Sahaba Ridwanullah when they are offering all of this, a person like Mus'ab who's giving who's giving up all of that, for sure he's seeing something on the other hand. Why is he getting it? Why are they being tortured so much and still accepting to stay in that faith and deen? Is they if they go back, they will live like kings. They have all the best offers in the world. But no, I cannot give up the steel for anything. This is when a person understands the value of the steel and the faith of Allah. And when Mus'ab ibn Umayr anhu passed away, when he became shaheed in the battle of Uhud, his kafan, they could not afford a kafan for him that would cover his whole body. Even the sheen of the kafan was shorter than his body. So they covered the, his head up to almost below his knees. And rest of it, they got some leaves of the trees and covered his body with it. This is how he left the world. But, of course, for the na'im, for the na'mah of the akhirah, for the pleasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And look at Mus'ab ibn Umayr. With that sacrifice that he gave, you know, from the worldly point of view, if you look at the success of Mus'ab after Islam, what is it that you will consider was his success? Mus'ab ibn Umayr radiallahu anhu is the person who was sent by Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa to Medina Munawwara to invite the people of Medina to Islam and teach them Islam. So most of the people of Ansar, the great people of Ansar, accepted Islam because of the da'wah of Mus'ab ibn Umayr. You can see the people of Medina. And Medina, what is Medina? That became the city of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. That is really the center of everything after the hijrah. All the people of Medina accepted Islam through this da'wah of Mus'ab ibn Umayr radiallahu anhu. Allah put that effect in his words. He meant what he was saying. And when he used to talk to people, he would go to the biggest leaders, worst enemies, and he would just sit with them and talk to them for a few minutes. And we read so many hadiths, of course, we don't have time, and, but in the books of hadith, we see a lot of those hadiths. He's sitting with the leaders who are leading the forces against Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa And he would sit, sit with the person for a few minutes, talk to him about Islam. He used to talk with reason. And of course, you know, because of his background, he understood people's mentality. So he used to sit with them. A person would come, shout, curse. In many situations, a person would come and he's carrying the sword. People would say, Mus'ab, now you better leave. He said, no, no, let me, let me talk to him. If he wants to hit me, that's fine, let him hit me. But let me talk to him. And the person would come and Mus'ab would say, how about we talk for a few minutes and then tell me whatever you have to tell me. He would even go to the point telling them, if you tell me to leave Medina, I will leave Medina. But let's sit and talk for a few minutes. And after those few minutes, the person will be reciting the kalima, Shadwa la ilaha illallah wa shadu anna muhammadan abduhu wa It was through that, it was through that effort that Medina Munawwara became a Muslim town. Just ask ourselves, what is it that we cannot do? What is it that we cannot do? If each of us would just, I'm not saying we force, we pressure, we do anything. We educate one person. If each of us, we educate one person about this beautiful deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, in every year, how many people will be educated about our deen? 
within our own town. How many people would learn about this be the beauty of this deen? At least they would understand the reality of this deen. Educate people, let them come to the masajid and show them whatever they are hearing about this deen is totally false. And this is what the reality of deen is. And after that you decide, you want this, you want something else, it's totally your decision. But we want to tell you what is it that I'm following. What is it that we are following? And why are we following it? Why I'm following Quran? Why I'm following hadith, uh, this uh, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam? Why I have chosen Islam as my deen? At least to that level, we should be able to, able to talk to people and convey our message to the world. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala use us for his deen and give us tawfiq to become the cause for others to love this deen. I'm not saying necessarily accept it, but at least to love this deen. This deen is a beautiful garden and people who don't even have gardens or those who don't come to the garden, at least they love to see the garden. So at least we will make people realize that this is the beautiful garden in the world, in this world, that it is needed to keep the beauty of the world or the, uh, in place. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us tawfiqah. أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم أحسب الناس أن يتركوا أن يقولوا آمنا وهم لا يفتنون ولقد فتن الذين من قبلهم فلا يعلمن الله الذين صدقوا ولا يعلمن الكاذبين وقال جل وعلا في مقام آخر ولا يعلمن الله الذين آمنوا ولا يعلمن المنافقين وقال الله جل وعلا ما كان الله ليذر المؤمنين على ما أنتم عليه حتى يميز الخبيث من الطيب وما كان الله ليطلعكم على الغيب